But as we get started this morning, if you have your Bibles with you, if you want to pull the Pew Bible out, we're going to be in Revelation chapter 6. And if you've been with us for any amount of time, then you know that we are walking slowly through the book of Revelation chapter by chapter. And oftentimes, I think we pick up the book of Revelation and we're scared by it because there's a whole bunch of things that we don't know because we don't understand. And my hope is that by the end of this series, we all have a better grasp of what it is that Revelation is trying to tell us and teach us, not about necessarily some end times apocalyptic war, but of the greatness of the God that we love and serve. And so hear these words from Revelation 6. Five. Five. We are in chapter 5. Then I saw in the right hand of him who sits on the throne a scroll written inside and on the back, sealed up with seven seals. Then I saw a strong angel proclaiming with a loud voice, Who is worthy to open the scroll and to break its seals? And no one in heaven or on the earth or under the earth was able to open the scroll or to look into it. And then I was crying greatly because no one was found worthy to open the scroll or to look into it. And one of the elders said to me, Stop crying. Behold, The lion that is from the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has overcome so as to open the scroll and its seven seals. And then I saw in the midst of the throne and the four living creatures and in the midst of the elders a lamb standing as if slain, having seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God, sent out into all the earth. And he came and took the scroll out of the right hand of him who sits on the throne. And when he had taken the scroll, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the lamb, each one having a harp and golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. And they sang a new song saying, Worthy are you to take the scroll and to open its seals because you were slain and purchased for God with your blood, people from every tribe and tongue and people and nation. And you made them to be a kingdom and priests to our God, and they will reign upon the earth. Then I looked and I heard the voice of many angels around the throne and the living creatures and the elders and the number of them was myriads of myriads and thousands of thousands saying with a loud voice, worthy is the lamb that was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing. And every created thing which is in heaven and on the earth and under the earth and on the sea and all things in them, I heard saying, to him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb be the blessing and the honor and the glory and the might forever and ever. And the four living creatures kept saying, Amen, and the elders fell down and worshiped. Let us pray this morning. Good and gracious God, as we read these words, this true testimony 
of John, this revelation of Jesus Christ, may our hearts be lit aflame with the fire of love for our King. With a fire of love for Jesus, our Lamb. And may we see his infinite worth bound up in these words. Lord, we love you and we thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, as we have been working through Revelation, we have seen so much of the imagery of Jesus. But now we see another Jesus that stands in the throne room. But first, before we get to Jesus, we start in verse 1. With John, after witnessing the throne room of heaven and seeing the splendorous majesty of God the Father on the throne, he then sees at the right hand of the Father who sits on the throne a scroll that is written on the inside and the outside, and it's sitting in the palm of his hand. And this book is sealed up with seven seals. And as he's looking, he sees this angel proclaim with a loud voice, and it's not just any angel, but a strong angel, Who is worthy to open the scroll and to break its seals? And the first thing that I want us to notice in this passage this morning is the relationship between strength and worth. Because it's the voice of a strong angel that is proclaiming who is worthy to open the book. A strong angel versus the worth of one who is able to open. He's not calling for one who is strong and powerful to open the scroll, to break the seals. But he's looking for the one who is worthy to even possess the scroll and read the scroll. And open its seals. It's not just a matter of strength, but a matter of worth. And then in verse 3, no one in heaven or on the earth or under the earth was able to open it or to look into its contents. Nobody was worthy enough to pick up the scroll out of the palm of God and read the contents therein. One thing that we might need to think about is not necessarily what is the scroll, what is in the scroll, because it doesn't necessarily tell us. There's lots of things that could be assumed about it. Is it the Old Testament? Is it the covenants? Is it the law? Is it the deed to the earth? Is it 
to future things that have yet to happen? I don't know. But whatever is in that scroll, it is the very contents and thoughts of the Father Almighty, and that's why it's in His palm. It is His book. And so the question is, is not there one that is just powerful enough to obtain it, but one who is equivalent in worth as God to obtain it? For not anyone can just take the scroll and open it and in verse 3, it says, there is no one in heaven or on the earth or under it. There is nothing created that is worthy. And that's important. There's nothing created that is worthy. But then, in verse 4, what is John's response to this moment in history as he stands in heaven then he sees this scroll and the angel saying is there anyone worthy and nobody steps up he says and then i was crying greatly you know as i looked up that word crying every time it occurs in the new testament it always seems to be about this great, great devastation, this great mourning because of some loss or some realization of loss. Not just physical loss, always, but it's, it's more than just a little cry. It's a wail. It's a lament. It is something that when you hear it, you know that that person has just suffered something great and devastating to their person. Like in Luke 8.52 or Mark 5.30, when we read about the loss of life and the family is mourning about this loss, they're devastated. The mourners have gathered to mourn with the family. Or in Matthew 26, 75, when Peter hears the crow or the rooster crow three times and he realizes Jesus was right. I denied him before men. And he's devastated and he's wailing because of the realization of the loss in his heart. A love for his Savior. But I also want to point out is that every time crying is mentioned, this kind of crying is mentioned, it always seems to be paired with something else. Rejoicing. It always seems to be paired with rejoicing. I love like in Luke 6, 21, which is Luke's account of the Beatitudes. He says this, 
Blessed are those who hunger now, for you shall be satisfied. Blessed are those who cry now, for you shall laugh. Be glad in the day and leap for joy, for behold, your reward is great in heaven. It's a rejoicing that's taking place because there's a future hope. Or how about this one in John chapter 16, verse 20? Truly, truly, I say to you that you will cry and lament. Speaking to his disciples when Jesus goes to the cross, but the world will rejoice. You will be sorrowful, but your sorrow will be turned into joy. And in the accounts that I gave you in Luke 8:52 and Mark 5:30 about the little girl who died and the family was mourning her loss. Jesus, when he arrives there, he says to them, why are you crying? She is but asleep. And then she go, he goes into the room and he says, Talitha Kumi, little girl, arise. And she gets up. And is the family mourning anymore, or are they celebrating with joy that their little girl was raised from the dead? John isn't just simply crying. He's devastated that there is nobody worthy to pick up the scroll that is in the hand of God. That there is nobody created that is able to take the scroll and break the seals and open the scroll and read its contents. But just like in the Gospels, where Jesus promises that the crying and the mourning will turn into rejoicing, in the same way that when Jesus in the Gospels asks the question, why do you mourn? We read in verse 5, Then one of the elders said to me, Stop crying. Behold. It's almost like there's a mimic of what's happening in the Gospels that when somebody is in this state of devastation and Christ walks up to them, he changes their state of being. And in the same way, the elder approaches John and he says, wait a second, don't, don't cry. Look. See what is about to happen. See what is about to take place. And that's why I had to stop for a moment at the beginning and to be still and know. Because we move too fast sometimes to stop and behold and look to see what is about to take place. Stop crying. Behold. The lion that is from the tribe of Judah, the root of of David 
has overcome so as to open the scroll and its seven seals. The lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David. These are names given to Jesus, an image of Christ, that we would know that the covenant granted to David that his kingdom would be eternal is going to be fulfilled here in one person, in one king, one who comes from his lineage, an offshoot of David and of Jesse, one that is of the tribe of Judah, the tribe of kings. It is the lion. And remember, though, Remember, I, I told you, remember that there's this play between power and worth in this, in this scripture. The angel was strong, but he was looking for one who was worthy. But there was nobody worthy. But then we get to the next verse and it says, but there is a lion. Well, that seems to be about power. Power is important. But also, we continue in verse 6. And then I saw in the midst of the throne the four living creatures, and in the midst of the elders, a lamb. What? It's no longer a lion, but a lamb. You couldn't get further from opposites. The lion is power, but the lamb is worthy. The lamb is as one as if slain. So it's not just any lamb. It's a slain lamb. It's a slaughtered lamb. And then this lamb has seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent out into all the earth. We just moved really quickly through four different images of Jesus. Like really quickly. We went from lion to lamb to slaughtered lamb to ram. Wait. Lion to lamb to slaughtered lamb to ram. In, in the Bible, this is what we would call a chiasm. So it's where you have images that end up reflecting one another. And so in this one, you have a passage about a lion in power, bookended by a ram who is an animal of power. But in between, you have a lamb and a lamb that was slain. And you start to see the chiastic nature. And where you're supposed to land when you see those is the middle. The middle is what's important. So yeah, power is there. There's a lion and a ram, and Jesus is powerful. But the reason he can open the scroll is because he's the lamb, and he is worthy. We actually see that further down where it says, Worthy are you, this is verse 9, to take the scroll and to open its seals. But why is he worthy? 
because you were slain. And so we start to see all these moments in this one passage come together. Power and worth. Strength and weakness. Sovereignty and sacrifice. Jesus is both. But the sacrifice is what matters the most. Why does it matter? It matters because 1 Corinthians 6, 19 and 20 says this. Do you not know that your body is a sanctuary of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God, and that you are not your own? For you were bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body. You were bought with a price. There was a sacrifice. Jesus purchased in his own blood his people. And so if you want to see that scroll as the deed and the names of the book of life, then only he is worthy because he's the one that paid for it. But what's more is we need to think about this in terms of covenant going throughout all of Scripture. In particular, understanding covenant as something in the Old Testament as something to be cut. A a contract or a treaty or an alliance made between one of a higher power and one of a lesser power. And usually what happened in that cut covenant is that the lesser power would walk through the sacrifice, the two parts of the sacrifice to say, if I don't hold up my end of the bargain, let me be as this sacrifice to be cut in two. But in Genesis 15, when God cuts the covenant with Abraham, it isn't Abraham that walks through the sacrifice. It's God. God is the keeper of covenant. And when his people fall away, it's up to to God to keep that covenant with his people. And so what happened 2,000 years ago after God's people have fallen away again and again and again, he holds up the covenant by becoming the split sacrifice on a cross. And so Jesus is the only one worthy to open the scroll because he is the fulfillment of covenant. And he took the scroll and opened it. I love verse 7. He came and he took the scroll out of the hand of the right hand who of the right hand of him who sits on the throne. And then in verse 8, and when he had taken the scroll, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the lamb, and each one having a harp and golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. Look, this is the moment that just imagine your favorite sports history comeback moment ever. 
And for each one of us, it's going to be something completely different. Ina, I know, is going straight to tennis. Like, she's going to think of some massive moment of comeback in tennis history where somebody was down, you know, two sets to love, and they're like, I don't know how I'm going to overcome this. And then they do it. This is that moment where it's like nobody was taking the scroll, and then one steps up to the plate. They just need a grand slam. That's it. It's bottom of the ninth, two outs, bases are loaded. They've got two strikes. But they step up to the occasion. And they hit it out of the park. And the crowd erupts. That's this moment in heaven when Jesus picks up the scroll. All of heaven erupts because there is one who is actually worthy that can actually do it. They were wondering, is it possible? It is because Jesus is there. Jesus stepped up. He said, I can take the scroll and I can break the seals and I can open this scroll and so they sang a new song, worthy are you to take the scroll to open its seals because you were slain and you purchased for God with your blood people of every tribe, tongue, and nation. Wow. What a Jesus. What a lamb that was slain. I really love this, too. They, it says they sang a new song, a new one, but not new necessarily in recent history, but that new actually translate to fresh. It was refreshing. It was, a, it was like a wind, a nice cool breeze on a hot summer day. Actually, just this past Saturday, I was meeting a friend in downtown Griffin for lunch. But I decided to walk, which might have been a mistake, but I decided to go with it. But man, as I started to walk down East College Street, the breeze just picked up. And it just blew the entire way into downtown. And it felt so good. It was so refreshing to feel the breeze. And that's what it should be like when we worship Jesus. Every time we step up to worship him, it should be like a breath of fresh air. Even when we sing some of the same old songs, sing them afresh. Sing them renewed. Sing them with vigor Sing them knowing that Jesus is worthy. Verse 10, and you made them to be a kingdom and priests to our God, and they will reign upon the earth. That's First Peter right there. First Peter 2, 9, you made them into a chosen people, a holy priesthood, a royal priesthood. 
Jesus did it. Jesus did it. Nobody else did it but Jesus. It was always his work. It will always be his work. And his work is for us. And then I looked and I heard the voice of so many angels around the throne, living creatures and elders, and the number of them was innumerable. That's how that should be read. It is innumerable. Do not even attempt to count. Do not even attempt to try to guess how many there were. It was too many. (laughs) And at the same moment, all of them sang with a loud voice, a single voice, worthy is the lamb that was slain. Again, it goes back to that language. It's the slain lamb. His worth is because of his sacrifice. It's all about the cross. And worthy are you to receive power, riches, wisdom, strength, honor, glory, and blessing. Seven. We keep meeting this number seven again and again and again and again. And what I want to say about this passage is actually going to be a little bit of a throwback, and I actually have to thank Tom for bringing this up last night. There's this old, old, old phrase that goes, worthy is the lamb to receive the reward of his suffering. Worthy is the lamb to receive the reward of his suffering. And here we're reading about the reward of the lamb. Worthy is him to receive his reward. His reward is power. His reward is riches, wisdom, strength, honor, glory, and blessing. But this phrase actually goes all the way back to a group called the Moravians. And the Moravians, at one time in their history, for 100 years, prayed nonstop, 24 hours a day, seven days a week, for 100 years. And when they sent out missionaries into the world, they would get on the boat and their send-off greeting from their family on shore, knowing they would probably never see them again, was... Worthy is the lamb to receive the reward of his suffering. Because God works within his people to see his kingdom come. And I think this is really important for us to remember that Jesus is worthy to receive the reward of what he sacrificed on that cross And that he wants you and me to participate in it. He made us to be what? A kingdom and priests to God. And in verse 10 at the end, it's not just that they will reign upon the earth. It should be actually translated, and they reign upon the earth. The kingdom is here. The kingdom is now. It is both a reality today and a not yet kingdom that is to come. That's why we frequently say we live in the now and the not yet. A kingdom that is here and the kingdom to be realized. But while we are here, 
Worthy is the lamb to receive the reward of his suffering. And what does he receive? 13 and 14, every created thing worships with all that they have. Every living created thing, both on the earth and under the earth and on the sea and all things in the sea, said to him who sits on the throne, to the Lamb be blessing and honor and glory and might forever and ever. And the four living creatures kept saying amen and the elders fell down and worshiped. Here's what we need to walk away with. Do you see the worth of the lamb who was slain? And if you see his worth, do you worship him like he's worthy? Because I actually have to ask myself that question. Do I worship him like he's worthy? Like really, truly worthy? And if he is really, truly worthy, do I worship him enough? Do I worship him in my comings, in my goings, in my thoughts, in my deeds? Do I worship him when I'm alone and with others? Does he receive the worship that he is worth because of the sacrifice he made? I want to worship the lamb who was slain and who is able to take the scroll and open it. Because his work was for me. And his work was for you. And for you. For you. And for you. It was for you. And 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 you. And it was for you. He was the lamb that was slain. He's worthy. Let's worship him. Amen. Good and gracious God, you are worthy and worthy to be praised. You are due all honor and power and riches and wisdom and glory and honor and blessing. All of it is due to you. And I thank you. I thank you so much. My only prayer is that I would worship you more because of it. That I would see you in every moment. Because everything around me, you bought and paid for. Everything around me, you bought and paid for. You even bought and paid for me. So thank you, Jesus. Worthy is the Lamb. Worthy is the Lamb. Worthy is the Lamb. Amen.